Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Players tonight, let's go. All right, let's bring them on here. How are you boys doing tonight? We're blessed, we're excited, and um, anticipating something amazing to happen. uh, Amazing to happen tonight. Awesome, man. Hold on, you guys are freezing. Can you guys hear me? No, the devil is a liar. In the chat right now, I'm seeing you guys. I'm sorry, you guys are, I think my camera just went out. No, can you guys hear me still? We can hear you. Okay, somebody somebody just go ahead and keep going and take it, and I'm gonna fix my camera, guys. Give me a second here. But someone in the else meantime, just take for, those you, for those of you that are watching, we need you to share this broadcast on all of your social media outlets. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal today. And be off the air, we were actually talking about how we might go into addressing the Kundalini, the Kundalini spirit and false manifestations, false mm-hmm. manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which I believe needs to be addressed. And what's interesting, Pastor Vlad and Pastor Mike, is this, is that I don't know really anybody who is Pentecostal and charismatic and spirit-filled that's actually really addressing this that actually moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. You either have hecklers and antagonizers that usually address this, but actually, believe it or not, those of us that are spirit-filled, we know and are able to discern when we know it's not the Holy Spirit and when it is the Holy Spirit and it grieves us as well when we see something posing as the Holy Spirit and we actually know that it's actually not the Holy Spirit. So be put your seatbelts on because it's going to be absolutely crazy. Pastor Mike, what's your thoughts? on the kundalini spirit and false manifestations of the holy spirit we're jumping right in. look we've got this I'm camera back. angle sorry, back. Guys. welcome oh, everybody I'm in the chat off. welcome isaiah back okay i'm back <laughs> i'm having issues guys all my stuff works and then the moment we jump into this uh, we go live and we hit record and everything my camera it's it's tweaking over here but we're good we're live here um yeah super super excited guys thank you apostle vigani that you just opened it up there i know pastor mike you're gonna go into it guys i think it's crucial we talk about testing spirits so go ahead pastor mike i totally i totally interrupted you there but i'm back and uh let's talk about (laughs) testing the spirits testing the manifestations Well, listen, here's the thing. This is going to be an unprecedented night because you just don't have what you have in this in this group right now. I mean, we're we we intimately know the Holy Spirit. We love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's my best friend. And, you know, what you have to start with is I have a relationship with my wife, Julie. I know Julie. I've been I'm sorry that I'm upsetting so many ladies right now, but uh, (laughs) but I have I have a relationship with, with my wife. I know her for years. And, and my wife knows me. As a matter of fact, she knows me better than I know myself. And so there's times where if people were to come to you and say, hey, you know, Mike said this, she'd like, no, listen, he would never say that. Right. And so first and foremost, as you're developing your own personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, that is the basis for all interpretation of the Holy Spirit, because you'll say, you know, that looks a little different than what I'm used to, but it's still I, that is in within the realm of who I know the Holy Spirit is. So I just want to start with the basics. Let's like lay a foundation. I know we're going to go very deep kundalini we're gonna get into the scriptures but starting with developing an intimate personal dialogue with the holy spirit is the is for me the basis by which i interpret so much and i want to say to you guys we are all we all are 
spirit-filled. We're all charismatic, Pentecostal, all of it. We believe in casting out demons. We believe in healing the yeah. sick. We believe in raising the dead. We all preach under the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I know Apostle Alexander Pagani said earlier, is that a lot of guys that are spirit-filled don't address this. But the guys that yeah. are addressing it are reformed. They don't believe. So please listen to us tonight. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to stop the Holy Spirit. But as watchmen, as pastors, as leaders, there's a lot of fake happening in the body of Christ. It grieves the Holy Spirit. So I, guys, I have a holy fear of talking against anything the Holy Spirit would do. I'm not God. I'm not the one that knows it all. I'm not. But I also have a fear that we would grieve the Holy Spirit and that we would miss. This is what it's about, guys. Listen to me, chat. 4,000 of you, we would misrepresent the Holy Spirit, and we would make people think the Holy Spirit is something that he's not. Friend, the Holy Spirit's not arrogant. Come on, can we get some ones in the chat? He's not proud. The Holy Spirit doesn't push people. The Holy Spirit doesn't manipulate people. The Holy Spirit doesn't dominate people. These are all Come things on. that witchcraft does. And we've allowed false spirits in the church. Now you say, I know a lot of you in the comments when we posted this said, who do you guys think you are to try to tell us that we have to discern? We're not supposed to try to discern the Holy Spirit or discern spirits. Well, First John chapter four says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits yeah, to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into this world. And so as pastors, leaders, preachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, teachers, we're called to test the spirit. So if you're a leader watching or a pastor, we're not saying everything's a demon and you know this is a demon, that's a demon, but we do need to test spirits because there is a lot of fake happening. I, I wanna just say this, guys. I know like when I got saved in 2011, manifestations were like the thing, like, uh, gold dust, feathers, I won't mention the church, but everybody knows the church, made all of this very, very well known. I don't think all of it was wrong. I don't think all of it was bad. I think a lot of it was God, but really what happened was there was an overemphasis on manifestations. And I knew people that were like, well, if gold dust and feathers don't show up, then God's not moving. And that's just not the case. I think now, at least you guys can all speak on this, I don't think it's as big of a thing, the holy laughter, that you know everyone has to get slain in the spirit or it's not moving god fire tunnels all that but i want to say there was a big emphasis on that there's a lot of believers guys that are in the chat right now and this is where my heart breaks that think if they don't fall over they're not saved if they don't fall over they're not full of the holy spirit if they don't have holy laughter they're less than somebody else or if they don't have fire tunnels it's not revival and i want to really just say guys like it's not just about falling over or laughing, it's about change. Like the Holy Spirit wants to convict you, wants to change you. So we're not trying to play God here. We're not trying to be, quench the Holy Spirit because I think there's a lot of stuff the Holy Spirit does that were unconventional and unusual in scripture, but we also don't want to fall prey to deception. We also don't want to be spirit filled and ignorant and just whatever happens, happens, it's okay. Uh, we want to make sure that is, I'll let somebody else jump in here, but we want to make sure what we're doing is aligning with God's word. You know, sometimes, you know, go ahead, Pastor Vlad, I'll, I'll, I'll comment after you, go ahead. I, I think that uh, before we address some of the uh, abuses and some of the false manifestations, and some of them are demonic, some of them are just work of the flesh, and some of them are people who are honestly, they're just a little bit insecure, and they're, they constantly need to draw attention to themselves. Um, something that uh, the brothers already have mentioned is concerning the real manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to mention quickly 
uh, the seven that I see that in the Bible, that I see in the Bible, the, the real manifestations of the Holy Spirit is people falling under the Spirit or people saying, you know, like we use the phrase slain in the Spirit. And it's the most common manifestation where the Spirit's presence causes lightness, you know, or weakness to our knees or physical body. We see that John fell at the presence of Jesus, Revelation 1.17, as well as disciples in Matthew 17.6. We see the soldiers in John 18.16, the Paul, you know, he fell in Acts chapter 9 verses 4 until 8 and then Daniel fell unconscious having no strength to get up. And so the second manifestation I see is the feeling of weightiness or heaviness. In fact, the word Hebrew word for glory is uh, kabod, you know, the wow. heaviness of God. And we see that, you know, the priests could minister Second Chronicles 7, 1 and 2 because the presence of God was so strong. Second Chronicles 5, 13 and 15. Then there's the laughter and joy, you know, the third manifestation is this fruit of the Spirit is joy and the fruit of joy is laughter you know and so Jesus rejoiced in the spirit Luke 10 21 we see that Peter Peter speaks of rejoicing um, with joy inexpressible and full of glory first Peter 1 18 you know and then we also see that in Psalm 126 2 and 3 it says that our mouth will be filled with laughter and our tongue with singing I've never actually experienced the the spiritual laughter I just know a few people in our church who have it doesn't happen a lot but I remember I think 10 years ago when lady was going through depression and she experienced that she couldn't stop laughing for about two days and after that she was cured of depression and so a uh, number four is travailing and groaning it's when meet people groan or travail under the weight of sin and the burden of prayer and you know we see that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, Charles Finley had a lot of that kind of experiences happening and and etc the spirit groans the Bible says uh, the fifth manifestation is overflowing with the Holy Spirit we see that you know disciples they were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room that some of them appear to be drunk. I mean, there was certain kind of a behavior where the outsiders kind of started to make, make fun of them and mock them. Um, the sixth manifestation is the trembling and shaking. Daniel trembled at the fear of God. You know, people of Israel, they shook, you know, in front of the mountain. And the um, Bible says that the buildings also shake at God's presence in book of Acts chapter 4, verse 31 and, and Isaiah 6, 4. And so we see that, you know, shaking uh, God, you know, God's presence can come so strongly that people can actually physically experience that shaking. And the last one that I've seen is the weeping and the crying out. And that one is mainly seen in like Brownsville revival or like other revivals where a huge repentance that comes on people. And so, but, and while these manifestations are genuine and real, we have to understand is that in this world that Satan is the copycat and he's a duplicator. For anything genuine, there's always going to be a counterfeit. And so for anything that is real, there's always going to be something false. And so to throw away the real or yes. to disregard or to be afraid of the real because you're so um, you're so conscious of the fake, that, that's not how God wants us to live. Satan used the scripture in the wilderness, yet Jesus still combated him back with the scripture. And so we have to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. We have to fall in love with the real so much that we don't fear the fake. Come but on, we man. are here tonight to address the fake and to say that we are aware that fake is happening. A lot of crazy is happening and some of that fake makes us look bad. And so we want to speak into it and bring some clarity so that we as Christians have discernment and we don't get deceived. So good. You took the words right out of my mouth. That is exactly what I was going to say. What I wanted our viewers to know is, is that we are aware Mm -hmm. that there are false manifestations. And not only that, when we minister, um, we ourselves are consistently always asking and questioning whether how we're ministering, okay, Holy Spirit, is this Come you? On. Do you want me to do this? So right. this is 
understand we are not wildfires, which means mm -hmm. we're just letting out an unregulated mm -hmm. zeal of some type of sensationalism and emotionalism. Mm -hmm. Before we even move, we're consistently praying without ceasing. Okay, Lord, is this you? Lord, do I say this? And I want our viewers to understand that. And we are aware when something is not the Holy Spirit. We, we, we are consistently testing our own spirit while we are ministering to be able to make sure that we ourselves are not moving under some sort of sensationalism or some sort of fanaticism. So I want our viewers to understand that, that we're not just blanking on our minds and just doing whatever comes to our head. No, we have a filtering process within our mind and with our soul. We're consistently filtering it through the scripture. We'll okay, say, God, okay, where is this in scripture? And then the Holy Spirit gives us this peace, and then we begin to move. Now, do we miss it sometimes? Absolutely, yes. I think all of us here have missed it. But understand that primarily we are always talking and conversing with the person of the Holy Spirit before and as mm -hmm. and while we are administering, we're always depending on the Holy Spirit, even when it's something that we've never seen before we and well at least i know after i do something that i go man that was a little crazy the the fr my first reaction and my first response is holy spirit like was that you because that was a little bit crazy Lord. Like, so we are consistently praying without ceasing as we're ministering and flowing under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So good. And let me just add something real quick. I know, I know Pastor Mike, I know we're all chomping here. We'll just, let's go for it here. But I want to say this, if you're in the chat listening, uh, here, here's gonna, this will change your life. God showed me this years ago, told me this, and this is gonna change your life if you're religious or if you're not religious, you are not God's spiritual guinea pig. So don't think that God has to test something on you for it to be real. I know people like, if laughter was real, I would laugh in the spirit. Or if slaying in the spirit was real, why have I not got slain? Or if deliverance was real, why would I? You're not God's spiritual guinea pig. So if God wants to do something unconventional, come on, or unusual, yes. just because you don't agree, doesn't mean it's not God. And let me go as far to say this, and this sometimes makes me mad when I'm trying to like, I don't agree with somebody's thing, and I'm like, I don't agree with it. It doesn't change the fact it's still happening. So for example, someone made a video on me, oh, he's false deliverance, he doesn't do deliverance right. And that same night, I did like 10 deliverances and cast out a bunch of demons, and their video, didn't stop those demons from coming out. That video didn't stop me from doing deliverance. So your opinion or your video or your doctrine doesn't bring things in and out of existence. So don't think that just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean God can't do it. In fact, the Bible, there's a lot more weird stuff as, as Pastor Vlad just said in the Bible than stuff we even experience. Acts chapter 19, the Bible speaks of unusual yeah. miracles. Isaiah had to walk barefoot and naked for three years. The prophet, not me, but the prophet Isaiah, <laughs> according to Isaiah chapter 20 verse 1, Ezekiel was required to lay on his side for 390 days and on his right side for 40 days and also had to pre prepare his foot on a fire of cow poop. Prepare his food on a fire of cow poop. That's in Ezekiel 4.4. Jesus healed people in unconventional ways. Mark 7.32. Jesus healed a deaf and mute man by putting his finger in his ears and then spitting and touching the man's tongue. Come on, guys. Where all the reformed people would have went crazy. John chapter 9. He made clay with his spit and healed the blind man. In the book of Acts, we see unconventional and unusual miracles. So I don't want you to think if something's weird or unusual, it can't be from God, but rather test those things. And really, the, the case really has to be is, does it bear fruit? Because remember, signs and wonders and miracles, according to Mark 19, 20, were to confirm the word that was being preached. And guys, can we just say the, can we just talk about the elf in the room? A lot of false places and false manifestations in churches, they don't preach. 
They literally will have these long services and I could say it because I've been in a bunch of them and I preached at a bunch of them in my early days, didn't know what was going on. And they'll have an hour and a half of worship okay and again i know i'm stepping on toes here but it's okay an hour and a half of worship and then 15 minutes of preaching and then everybody marinates and soaks and has this breakout but it's like the word of god is not being preached a big red flag for me is when i'm in a church or in a gathering or in a meeting where the word is not being preached and there's no preaching there's just manifestations so you guys have to understand there has to be an order to it and the signs and wonders are to point us Who's the ultimate authority? Who's the one on the throne? That's Jesus. So we got to be careful that we're not allowing manifestations to happen that are not pointing us to Jesus. Because I do believe exactly everything you said, Pastor Vlad, in scripture, all these things are biblical. But I think what could happen if we're not careful, again, I don't want to be a Pharisee. Please, if I'm being a Pharisee, tell me. I don't want us to have it happen genuine and then people copy it thinking i have to do this so that i can experience god and i want to tell you in the chat you don't have to fake it till you make it you don't have to push people down come on that's one of my biggest if you guys ever heard my biggest pet peeve is pushing stop 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 pushing people over that's like my number one biggest pet peeve and i've been pushed tons of times and i've you know i've given courtesy falls before either the person's breath was really bad or they pushed me but guys i'm so against pushing and i think even like when the laughter like i was at one church and i won't mention the type of church it was but i was there and they said oh when you start preaching everyone's gonna break out in laughter the whole church's gonna start laughing and i literally told the pastor i said why would god give me a word have me preach it and then cause you to laugh and distract everybody and break out in laughter while i'm preaching that's not order paul said that we need to be in order so in that case i was just thinking like how is that the holy spirit that's manufactured laughter we're manufacturing it's contagious and guys I'm going to say something here. I know I'm not against holy laughter, by the way, but laughter is contagious. Like you don't have to be a believer to know that. And so I think what we have is a lot of genuine, but a lot of fake. And then people want to make something happen. But the Holy Spirit, you don't have to make something happen. This is one thing I felt the Lord always told me was you don't have to put sauce on it. Like don't put sauce on the (laughs) testimony. Don't put sauce on the Holy Spirit. He's good enough. You don't have to add on. He doesn't need garlic salt. He's good enough by himself. We don't have to try to make something up or happen. So I want to let you guys know even though it's unconventional it could be scriptural and i think we need to get out of this hole i have to make something for it to be god because god wants to move genuinely in all of our lives and and everybody listening so good well i want to speak to the people who are watching this thinking these people are charismatics pentecostals like Go ahead. or they, they or or that you know they're just their temperament or their personality is more bent towards that here's the thing and i've talked about this for years is it self-control that you're exercising or is it self-restriction come on because sometimes people will say oh it's self-control no it's actually self-restriction and mm. god wants you to get free and see i'll tell you right now like my default mode is introversion. My default mode is not screen preaching and being, but there's a boldness that comes over me from the Holy Spirit that's in me and through me, but not of me. And actually when my friends and my family who know me from way back when they watch me preach and they, they say, I know that must be the work of the Holy Spirit in that man, because I knew him before the Holy Spirit. So my question to all my, all my brothers and sisters who have been really just quenching what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Is it self-control? Because this is what they'll say. I'm just speaking to another elephant in the room. Well, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Well, here's the thing. It's what you're doing is self-restricting and not giving God control. 
So it's like self-control essentially means you're giving God control. And so self-control might mean you don't want to do it, but he wants to release you in that area. And, and I, for me, I, okay, now this is a quick story. I'm the oldest of five kids. My mom, uh, she was the first person to really discover the Holy Spirit. My mother uh, was actually went to a Catholic th- church, then she upgraded to a Nazarene church, and she was reading in the book of Acts about the Holy Spirit. She went to her youth pastor and said, I want to experience what's in the book of Acts. And he said, listen, I got to take you to the lead pastor. That's above my pay grade. I don't know what to say towards that. So she went to the Nazarene church lead pastor. And he said, honey, and she was just a teenager. uh, That's not for today. Those things don't happen anymore. It was just for that time. But there was something in my mother that's like, I wasn't raised in this. I wasn't taught this, but something is telling me it's real. She went home and there was a piano in her living room and she started playing a worship song on the piano. And she turned to my grandmother, which was her mom, and said, well, tell me about the Holy Spirit. My grandmother said, I went to one church one time where the pastor said, Holy Spirit, have your way. And I just watched people begin to weep. People begin to speak in other tongues. She said, I don't know much about it, but I saw that one time. And my mother said, that's what I want. And this is the the way she tells it. A bolt of lightning hit her. That's what she felt. She started playing the piano with just like electricity flowing through her. And she started speaking in tongues so loudly that her, her alcoholic stepdad, who was in the other bedroom, woke up and was like, what is going on? And my grandmother said Sandra just got the Holy Ghost so it's like that encounter happened in a living room because somebody believed it was possible and I think a lot of times people think that we're just impressing on them Pentecostalism denominationalism charismatic but but the Holy Spirit came into my family line raw real in a living room my grandma was drinking a beer my grandpa was drunk in the other room but the Holy Spirit wanted to invade not just that space but my mother's life and changed her forever so when you talk about manifestations of the Holy Spirit you're talking about not the outward sign of people shaking, trembling. You're talking about my best friend doing whatever he wills to touch, to heal, to speak. You know, in Genesis chapter 17, 17, it says Abraham fell down and he laughed. There are times where you have an encounter with God where all you can do is start laughing because it's so off the radar for what's possible in your life. Like there are times when he just breaks every paradigm, every understanding, every he just just shatters every box you have. And all you can do is lay down on the floor and cry and laugh. And if you've never experienced that, you are missing out on some of the best encounters with God you'll ever have. So good. I I was watching uh, Dr. Michael Brown. He mentioned uh, he said something. You can have a controversy without revival. But you can't have a revival without a controversy. Come on. Revival causes controversy. Revival causes the norm, the tradition to be disrupted. And it causes people to feel uncomfortable. And people tend to criticize what they don't understand. With an invention of internet today, you all you need is an internet and everyone already has opinion like people don't have degrees people don't have experience people don't have honestly no authority even on certain topics but if, if they have internet and if they have a gmail by which they can start a youtube everyone is already empowered to start their own things and they start sharing their opinions and the bible clearly states that you know what pastor mike already mentioned is that 
you know, we have to not grieve the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's ignoring his promptings, ignoring his convictions. And But then there's the other part is not to quench the Holy Spirit. And this is not ignoring his voice. This is honestly what, what Pastor Mike mentioned is when we are beginning to restrict the Holy Spirit, when we're not letting him move the way he wants to move, when we're not letting him move and manifest himself, and we're more afraid of these manifestations. And what Isaiah already have mentioned is that when we are missing the mission of Jesus Christ, Christ as the focal point of why church gathers and if we are missing uh, the message of why we gather we gather around the message and we gather for the mission then the miracles they support and sustain that the problem for many people yeah. where it gets awkward and weird because church is called to be wild you know when the spirit comes he's not a mm. gentle dove he's a wild goose okay so for Come those on. of you who think it's going to be quiet he there is nothing about him that's going to be quiet. The day of Pentecost was not quiet. Paul's conversion was not quiet. Jesus coming down on earth will be loud. The Bible says the sound of a trumpet, the voice of an archangel. Everything about God is not quiet. It's, it's loud. It's boisterous. It's wild. But it's not weird. What it becomes mm. weird is when we miss the mission, the yes. message. The mission of the lost, people being saved, and the message of the gospel being preached, and then we put the manifestations at the center of everything, and we chase the manifestation. This is where things get weird and things get crazy. I like what in 1741, Jonathan Edwards, mm -hmm. who is a Reformed guy, he actually did a five, five tests or five questions that you have to ask concerning the manifestation or this, he called it the distinction, distinguishing marks of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so he pretty much said how to differentiate counterfeit from the reality. So the first question to ask, and Isaiah kind of mentioned it already, similar thing. He says, does it bring glory to the person of Jesus Christ? Mm. The second one is, does it produce hatred to sin? and greater love for righteousness. Mm. And the third question to ask is, does it produce greater passion for the Holy Scriptures? The fourth one is, does it lead people to the truth? And the fifth one is, does it produce greater love for God and for men? And though he's Reformed, but I think that those of you who are watching who are from the Reformed camp, you know, don't 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 throw everything. Don't throw the baby with the bathwater. You know, take these questions and ask every manifestation. You know, does this produce that? And you will be surprised how many of the manifestations, including the manifestations of deliverance. And I would like, you know, some of us to talk about that, you know, because a lot of the manifestations we see in our ministries is not actually people being slain, shaken and power and power. We actually see manifestations of demons coming out, which is a lot more biblical than some of these other things yeah. that are people experiencing in charismatic circles but the fruit is what we focus on and the purpose and the mission of why we exist as a local church see guys we most of us here today we're local pastors okay we're not a conference speakers we're not a passing evangelist we're not just even revivalists we're local guys we love the local body we love the services we love the kids ministry we, we love the church and in the context of the church we want to see revival sustained and birthed so so good you know and one of those let's just kind of jump right into this thing you you mentioned something pastor vlad that i think will probably the most common um manifestation that brings the most antagonism within at least the deliverance ministry it's the screaming you know our, yes it, it, listen those of you that are watching you have no idea man I, I think by far out of all of the manifestations of deliverance and the controversy that it brings i think the idea of just the screaming 
part tends to um, alienate a lot of people. But let me just kind of first say this. First of all, every battle in the Old Testament between the children of Israel and any, any foreign armies were done through battle cries. Number two, you also have the blowing of the shofar, which we're we're experiencing that now. You know what I'm saying? Rosh Hashanah, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of that is loud fest. Oh, you're loud. talking about screaming at the demon to get it out. Yeah, meaning oh, okay. the idea okay. of screaming okay. during the deliverance session. So you like get commanding the demon to leave. Of, you know, uh -huh. you get people inboxes saying, "Why is deliverance? Why y'all screaming? You know, what, what's the issue with the screaming? And you could cast a demon out with a whisper. Say yes. it, bro." You can cast a demon out with the whisper, uh, but sometimes you could cast a demon out also with uh, being a little bit more assertive in uh, decibels. But we find that all throughout scripture, you know, mm -hmm. something that, some, okay, something that's less loud doesn't mean that it's more anointed. Come on. But those, you know what? Loud doesn't mean less anointed and low doesn't mean more anointed. If it's anointed, it's anointed. All right, now, let me just kind of, in defense of when deliverance sessions kind of get a little bit more assertive and maybe a little bit louder in the sense of decibels. Number one, all the wars in the children of Israel, you can find all throughout the Old Testament, the book of Judges, in the book of um, First Kings, uh, Second Kings, they were all loud. There were, mm. were battle cries. Also, the walls of Jericho, they were shouting, all right? As a matter of fact, that's a perfect example that both are needed. Seven days, they walked around quiet, and then on the last day, they shouted. So there is a premise for actually actually both quietness, self-control, and loudness, you know, faith. All right, but not only that, the in the New Testament, we find that the second coming of Christ will actually come with a shout. The Bible says, with the shout and a voice of an archangel, the Lord will descend. So let's just kind of address that, at least as one of the first ones that there is a biblical premise for shouting during deliverance or at least being a bit more aggressive in your handling of demons because a whisper might not take out every demon. You might need to be a little bit aggressive and forcefully use the name of Jesus. And it doesn't mean that that's a work of the flesh. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you have lost power. Mm -hmm. It just means at that moment, that's what the Holy Spirit is telling you to address that demon in that manner to produce the result, as well as at times, the Holy Spirit will do it in a more docile and more quiet environment. So good, and I wanna say, if anyone that teaches that doesn't have kids, listen, if you're teaching, you don't gotta yell at the demon, just stay, say it quietly, why do you always yell? You, number one, you don't have kids, number two, you probably don't know any law enforcement officers. Guys, we are law enforcement for the kingdom of God. If a law enforcement officer says, put your hands up, put your hands up, put your hand, it gets louder and louder because you're not listening. And if you do deliverance, which the guys teaching this don't, you have to understand that demons don't listen. They're incredibly stubborn. Demons are, they were stubborn with Jesus at the tombs. The Bible said he had been commanding the demon to leave and the demon didn't leave. So if you have kids, come on, can I get some help here? Go clean your room. Go clean your room. Go, uh -huh. I said go clean. So when you're talking to demons, guys, I try to start quiet because I'm like, my voice already hurts. I'm already screaming enough when I'm preaching. I don't need to scream. And then it's like the demon doesn't listen. Then I get louder, I get louder, I get louder because it speaks of authority. And demons are like dogs. They're like stubborn yes. children. You got to know their name because a dog, how many know if you say, tell a dog to go do something, you don't know its name, it's not going to respond. You know the name and then the dog doesn't listen. You yell at the dog and the dog listens. So guys, understand. Now you might say, and I love what you said, Pastor Vlad, like, it's not my personality for holy laughter or to fall over or to yell at demons. 
Guys, it's not my personality, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, Isaiah Saldivar dies and Christ lives in me. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ living in me. So it's not about you. It's not about how your personality is. It's not about how you feel. It's about letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And guess what? The Holy Spirit Mm. is not boring like you. He's not quiet like you. He's not calm like you. He's not dead. People say, why are you up there on that stage shouting? And I'm like, why are you sitting down there dying? I mean, I don't understand why you're so mad about passion. And it's, it's guys, come on. It's the same people that are shaking their thing at the club. No one has ever, no one in the history of the world has ever been at the club like, can you stop being so loud, Mr. DJ? Can you turn the volume down? I mean, you're shaking it. Your hair's blowing in the subwoofer and you're going hard for the enemy, but we get we become Christian, we become soft, docile. Come on, if you were out there crazy, I had one guy, let me just say this. He was out there in the world, the guy had tats head to toe. I mean, this guy was a tough guy. If you have tattoos, head to toe, full sleeves, you're tough, okay? You're not gonna sit there, get all these tattoos and be weak and soft. I mean, this guy, I knew I knew him from the world. He was bar stools banging over his head at the club, you know, getting in fights all the time. He gets saved, and I remember I was preaching about an hour away my where I was born, and I was preaching. This guy comes up to me, and he's like, why do you have to be so harsh? And you're always, yeah. I was like, bro, you were a year ago getting barstool smacked over your head. You got tattoos up and down. You just became all soft. Where's your passion? You've let the church neuter you. And no, we need to be radical, passionate. If it takes yelling, I don't care if it takes backflipping. If the demon doesn't come out, but by backflipping, I'll do a backflip right off the desk to get the demon out. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to get people free. So this whole idea where it's like, you don't have to do this or do that. Let me, show me a video. Come on, guys, show me a video of you doing deliverance where you're whispering to the de- in the demon's ear and the demon leaves. We raise our voice because it works. That's why. Well, what about Jesus? Jesus was loud. He shouted, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, the Bible said, on. tell the prophets, gonna... shout with the voice <laughs> yes. of triumph. The voice That's that John, John said, I'm preaching on Revelation, so I have to say this here. But John said, I heard a voice, and here's what the voice sounded like, a, bl- a trumpet blaring. It wasn't calm. So... I don't know where you get this Daisy Banner calm, you know, Jehovah Santa Claus. That's not the God of Scripture. He comes back on a war horse, robes dripping in blood, declares war, with the breath of his mouth defeats the Antichrist and all the world's armies. So I think we have to stop with this whole do it this way, do it that way, do it the way the Holy Spirit's anointed you to do it. And if he if anoints you to be loud and to shout and to do, then do what you need to do. But don't judge people that are radical or praise or are loud because I've come to find it's not about being loud, it's about being strategic. So here's the other side, guys. Let's just say it. I know you guys are itching here to say this. You're at the altar and there's 30 people around. Come out of you! And everybody's screaming. And that also doesn't work. You need to be right. strategic. It's not just about being loud. It's about being strategic and commanding the demon to leave and not just screaming over the person. Sorry. I know I'm taking a lot of airtime here, guys, but you get me all fired up when you start talking about these things. Someone else have anything well, they want to you, go there with that? With the, when you with dropped that. John chapter 11, verse 43, that was on the tip of my tongue. You know, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So if resurrection happens through loudness, so does deliverance. Come on. Okay, so that's a revelation on that. But I start quiet and I get loud. You know, here's the thing. When you're very loud, it gives you a dynamic range to be quieter. So That's there's good. a bandwidth there. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some wisdom in that as well. God's given mm-hmm. you the depth in your voice in both directions for a reason. Use it as such. Mm-hmm. But I will say on 
out. I don't see any biblical template for the more people that stand in a circle screaming in tongues <laughs> at a person who needs a demon cast out, the more effective. And I, you know, I've been doing mass deliverances all over. I did two last last week alone. And a lot of times I'm telling people, hey, just let me and my team do our thing and you watch. Probably you need deliverance too. So let's just start there. But I've had to tell a lot of people like, everybody back off this person because you're actually contributing to the chaos. And so, but I will say, and you can watch the video on my Instagram, I was literally underneath a terrace in Central Park doing a mass deliverance with over a hundred people during a rainstorm. But the Holy Spirit, remember God is the God of Come order, on. not disorder. Mm -hmm. So what may appear to some who are not familiar with it as chaos, the more you enter into my world and the world of the demon slayers, it is Come like on. a symphony. Uh, the way I can, yes. I think of it as a symphony. When you, when a symphony has all the different instruments and it looks like chaos if you don't understand, but we are like, you know, the maestro of a symphony because you take a step back and you're like, wow, 100 people just got delivered for demon, from demons underneath a terrace in Central Park. And it looked like chaos, but it was just, it was an orchestrated thing by God. And so part of that yieldedness to the Holy Spirit is saying, he's my MVP. He's the best person on my team. He's the one I trust the most. And that's the question I always ask pastors and preachers, deliverance workers, prophets. Do you actually trust the Holy Spirit more than yourself? Mm. Do you trust the Holy Spirit in your team and in others, because what I've seen is amazing. And what emerges out of the chaos is this beautiful order and people get free. And I've seen that over and over again. So good. And I want to say too, another manifestation of a demonic spirit is screaming where the person screams. And you guys yeah. all know, because you all have deliverance videos online. Everyone, why do they have to scream? Why are they screaming? We're not talking about now the deliverer. We're talking about the one receiving deliverance. I'm going to tell you why. Acts chapter eight, verse seven, one of my favorite references for deliverance. And and they scream with a, they scream loudly as the demons left them and there was great joy in that city so the thing again is if you don't know the bible and you don't do deliverance you're going to think it's crazy when people scream but actually the 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 victim which was what the victim was the demon's victim people screaming is a sign of a demon leaving so if you hear loud screaming while you're praying deliverance we at our church the church i've been recently a part of the last few months it's been having deliverance breakout every week, just like your guys' church has been happening. And one day we were sitting there and probably like six months ago, this would not be normal or, and I know a lot of them are watching, so I wanna be careful what I say here probably, but everyone was just screaming everywhere. It was like a horror movie and it was an altar call yeah. and it was just, and I said, I looked at the pastor and said, isn't this the greatest sound? Like we were in the back room and I just hear screaming. But if you're a true Christian and you read the book of Acts, you know that loud screaming is deliverance. People are getting delivered. And it goes from what you just said, Pastor Mike. I gotta stop calling you guys pastor. It just feels weird. What you just said, Mike, is it goes from this is weird and uncomfortable to this is revival. But see, exactly. when you don't have, you don't know the Holy Spirit, you don't know the book of Acts, it seems like chaos to you. Just like when people foam at the mouth. Well, why are they foaming? Well, the little boy was falling over dead, was foaming at the mouth, and it was a biblical reality, but because you don't know the Bible, because you don't do what Jesus did, because you don't walk in the Holy Spirit, it's abnormal for you, but what was abnormal to you is actually normal in Scripture, and what is normal in Scripture, come on, is abnormal to you. So don't hate on it, just really 
realize you're wrong, not the Bible. So if I experience any manifestation that's in scripture and I don't like it or agree with it, I have to come to the conclusion that the Bible's right and that I'm wrong, not the Bible's wrong. So for all of you that are against the manifestations, by the way, we just hit a 5,000, praise the Lord. For all of you that are against manifestations that are in the scripture, you are wrong. I don't care if you're reformed. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're a waiter. I don't care if you're late, late for uh, for dinner every night. It, you're wrong. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what color you are. You're wrong, not the Bible. So when we see these manifestations in scripture, we got to know. Now, let me ask you guys this. Okay, we're going to get personal here. When it comes to fake manifestations beyond theology, beyond scripture, I just want to ask you guys this. I will see just me for example holy laughter or slaying in the spirit or whatever other manifestation and genuine or not because we know the devil also copycats we know that laughter guys here's where it gets could get confusing we know that laughter is a major symptom or a major manifestation of demons how many of you guys know when you're praying right. for deliverance a lot of times the demon starts laughing how so here's the question beyond again scripture all that we need to discern spirits gifts all that we all we've all done teachings on discerning of spirits all these great things we te teach on Per, I want to know from each of you personally, and I'll tell you mine first. How do you discern? Now, for me, I will watch somebody, whether it's laughter or, and I just feel, this is the only way I can describe it. I just feel gross on the inside. It's like, it, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show, Dr. Pimple Popper. I hate the show. I cannot <laughs> watch it. My wife will literally be eating Fredicini Alfredo watching the show. She doesn't, doesn't bug her. She loves it. I will vomit. I, I can't watch the show. I feel gross on the inside. The same way, I know it's a weird illustration. It's the only way I can describe this. The same way I feel when I walk by and my wife's watching that show that's how i feel when i'm watching fake manifestations of the spirit i know it's i know laughter's in the bible i know slaying the spirit scriptural i believe it i've i've had laughter before i've been slain many times but i just feel gross inside and it's it's the holy spirit bearing witness that that's a different yep. spirit or it's a false spirit so for me i don't need to open my bibles oh uh, this verse and i don't need to be a pharisee I just know internally I have a gross feeling. I want to know, I guess we can go Pagani, pa uh, I keep saying pastor, but Mike and then Vlad, like what are your guys' feelings? You guys are all senior pastors, so you all deal with this. You all have to shut things down, think, make sure things don't get too crazy. What do you discern or how does your discernment work when you're dealing with these things in your church? Well, normally um, when, well, number one, let me just say this, I've had that happen quite frequently the the the, the laughing um at least for me i think you said it already my spirit gets grieved mm. within 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 30 seconds sometimes i do pray and i and i'll ask okay holy spirit is this you you know and then within 30 seconds if i find that my spirit is grieved that there's that it doesn't sound like laughter it sounds more like mocking to me come on and my my spirit is grieved i'll immediately know that 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 this is not holy laughter that this is actually the demon i'll give an example of how this happened to me in akron ohio i was out there um i went out there to do a, a tbn show uh for uh deliverance um and afterwards while i was out there i went to minister at a at a, at a, at a church that was there and there was a there was a um someone in the congregation um afterwards i was praying and ministering for someone and when i as soon as i got up to this person uh this person started laughing now initially initially my first reaction was i laughed for a split second because laughter is contagious yes. it really is so i kind of started laughing but as i went to minister to this person they just kind of kept laughing 
And every time I went to minister, they just kind of kept laughing. And then I realized that the laughter was to deflect me and to stop me from, la uh, from ministering to them because everyone in the congregation assumed at that moment that it was the Holy Spirit. I literally Come heard on, the whole congregation embrace that it was the Holy Spirit. But I noticed that it only happened when I got closer to minister to the person. And out of nowhere, this person goes and lays hands on my head. While they're laughing, they went from laughing uncontrollably, and then they just laid hands on my head. So I literally smacked their hand off their off off, off of my head, and I said, "Ma'am, don't you ever put your hands on my head." And I just said, "You unclean spirit, come out now!" And full blown manifestation right there that the whole church, even the pastor, the pastor was standing next to me because I didn't know anybody. And I looked at him and I said, this was funny. I looked at him and I said, is this one of yours? He looked at me and said, I've never seen this person before. They're not from my church. So this person had come in and started manifesting this sort of laughter that for a split second, it looked like, it sounded like the Holy Spirit, but my spirit got grieved. And then I realized that the demon was mimicking the Holy Spirit. So that way I could get into or the Holy Spirit is working and I can back off from the deliverance and move on to the next person. On that day, the devil failed. He lost. I know exactly what you're talking about. So good. So good. This Michael is so good. Well, you know, I've said this. All military, all militaries on the planet wear camouflage because there is a military advantage to hiddenness, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what is camouflage? It's the colors emulating the colors of nature. So it's mm -hmm. if the Holy Spirit has manifestations, then demons are going to put on a camouflage that says, let us emulate the things of the spirit. And so that's where you get, like we talked about Kundalini, you, you get these these camouflage, you know, some would say counterfeit, but it, a lot of it, I think within the realm of deliverance for us is camouflage. Like for example, mm -hmm. when I was in New York city, you could see this on video. This, this woman is standing really close to me and it was a similar situation, but almost like mocking or taunting me. But if you weren't paying attention, you would think she's amening me, wow. you know, but she wasn't am amening me. And I, it, I kind of had like a weird moment. Cause I was out there in the wild. I was not in a church. I was under like under a bridge, you know, and you could see in the video, I turned to her. I'm like, I bind you spirit. Now you will not mock the work of the Holy spirit right now. And her entire countenance changed. Her whole face changed immediately. And she stopped. She was silent for the whole time. And then I went to go meet her afterwards. She came up to me and I said, hey, I want to tell you, I was very firm with the demon, but I'm very loving with people. Mm. And she just started to weep. And she's like, I need freedom. I need freedom. But I think a lot of people would have discerned that as like, she's amening you. She's shouting you down. But in my spirit, I was like, no, she's mocking me. This is a mockery. And obviously you see the fruit of that discernment. And that's the thing about deliverance. And I'll probably say this every time we get together. The, you can you can preach because you memorize a good speech. You can memorize a worship song and sing in key because Mariah Carey does that too. Come on. But you cannot do deliverance without the Holy Spirit. Come on. Like you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an option in deliverance. It's an, like he is a necessity. It's a necessity that you're paying attention. And that's why I think for my church and the people that I've traveled with, it really strengthens their relationship with God to do deliverance because they're like, wow, I need it. You know, and I, I it's an absolute necessity. I've done so much other ministry where I never needed the Holy Spirit. I just yes. rehearsed the songs. I rehearsed the script of my on. sermon. And, and so that's why I think the work of deliverance is so essential is because now the Holy Spirit is not an add-on. 
It's not Come a on. he is not a feeling. It's not a chill bump. It's not a it's like, no, this is a like co I'm co-laboring with the Holy Spirit in this moment. And it just does something to you in a profound level. And I'm hoping I'm stirring up a desire in so many people watching right now to be like, yes, this is what's missing. Because I want to say this just briefly. That I believe that during this broadcast, you all are being provoked to a place of hunger and desire like never before. As a matter of fact, you know, we're salt and light. What happens when there's salt? There's thirst. So I'm praying that there is such a holy thirst right mm. now in the midst of people watching. And that even as some of you are saying, yeah, it, it wasn't uh, self-control, it was self-restriction. And the Holy Spirit wants to take control. I need to yield to him. I believe that even while we're still teaching, we're still talking, that you will begin to experience an outpouring of his spirit in your living room, in your kitchen, in your car, because he doesn't have, to, you know, that's why I told the story about my mother. It could happen before we even pray out loud right now you know mm -hmm. so good i had the in the beginning of our ministry when i just became a youth pastor at the age of 16 and 17 we had this kid who got saved and um, during worship he fell nobody prayed for him nobody touched him like a pencil he fell i honestly at that time had very little experience i don't think i've even done a deliverance up to that point I just watched Bob Larson's videos, and so I kind of knew a little bit about deliverance, but I knew enough to know that God usually can knock people out, you know, so I, was, I actually really thought that God knocked him out during worship, and he's there getting the glory presence of God, the whole nine yards. We had this deacon on our youth service, and so, so worship ends, everybody goes back to their seat, and this guy's laying. So I'm thinking he's, on, he's under the glory cloud, you know, of, or <laughs> stuff like that. And my deacon comes to me, and this guy had a very strong discernment of spirits. But in my mind, I saw him that he always saw a demon behind everything, okay? So I always kind of wrote him off, and I'm like, man, this guy just sees demons everywhere when there is no demons. And so he looks at me, because we're literally like 30 kids, okay? So we don't know what to do, and uh, he's like, this is not clean. And I'm like, what do you mean this is not clean? The guy's enjoying the presence of God. He looks calm. Like his face, because one of the ways we look at, you know, is we look at their face. Face can show a lot of what's mm -hmm. happening inside of the house. Mm -hmm. And so I, I see peace there. So he's like, let's pray for him. So we're praying. Half of us are praying more, Lord, and he's praying out. <laughs> so it's kind of confusing prayer. We're 16-year-olds, okay? So he's praying out. We're praying God more, more, more. And so five minutes into it, the guy goes, Rah! You know, like the whole nine yards. I was like, okay, I got it. It's a demon. And so uh, we all joined my uncles, uh, my, my uncle. We started praying for deliverance. And the guy got delivered. And that day I started to recognize that not everything that looks like Mike mentioned, that camouflages, that has the Holy Spirit behind it. And I find it, uh, find it interesting when, especially when manifestations become violent. Mm -hmm. When uh, I remember we were, we were doing worship, this girl just like, you know, there's time where people, you know, wave, wave flags or depending on how, you know, each church culture is. And, and this person became, start waving a flag. And it's not a practice in our church, but this girl was waving a flag. And then, you know, everything is fine. And she just became kind of very violent. The service and the sermon ended. Uh, at the end, we invited people for altar call. And, and she starts becoming more violent, which is honestly, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You don't even need the sermon there to know that this is not, something is wrong. Either she's hurt 
or something is controlling her. And so uh, we took her to the room. We start praying for her. Uh, she's from a Baptist background. She was delivered. She said that um, she went to a movie, watched the movie, sat in the car. And she said, according to her words, something entered her. And that thing caused her to move violently in the service. The interesting wow. part is that most of the believers thought that this was the power of God. And mm. so in my practice, you know, I watch first, I watch for the person's face. Like Isaiah mentioned, yes, you, you feel it in your spirit. The Holy Spirit will really bear witness and will give you that, that sense of like, this is not right. Um, and then you watch the person's face. You know, for those of us who are pastors and we know the person's story, you know, we kind of track their fruit because, you know, King Saul was manifesting in the legitimate presence of God. But the reason mm. why his manifestation was weird is because Saul was weird. And I realized mm. that a lot of people manifest and react to the power of God because some of them are also not in a very healthy place. They're wounded, they're broken. And sometimes yeah. these manifestations take place. It's not that the power of God is not touching them. It's that there's some places where they need healing, they need deliverance uh, from. And when they get delivered, I've seen some of these manifestations, they leave. And sometimes sometimes people are honestly just insecure and they're, they've been rejected and they seek attention. And the more attention they get, you know, through these manifestations. Mm. And, so, and so that's been our experience. But in, through our prayer line, the moment people begin to even weep, we go first for deliverance. Mm. Uh, our first default is praying for deliverance, cleaning the house, and then we fill the house. Because a lot of, I've seen more than, uh, than I can count of what okay. looked like holy, that actually behind it, as you start inviting the fire of God, and quickly you start noticing that this is not, there's some other stuff hiding behind the scenes and all of the cockroaches, they come out. Mm. And then once you clean the, cleanse the house, then when the peace of God, the joy of God comes into their heart, it looks so much different than whatever they had uh, before. And so that's been honestly already our practice. And it's almost like every manifest, and I know people may accuse me and say, oh, you know, you have a demon behind every bush. And but there's a lot more demons than people realize. Preach. Yeah, yeah, because people aren't dealing with them. Come on, pastors. You yeah. know, I yeah, think. And I, had a, and I had, I had a person this this week, and you know, he came out and he's like, "Man, you know, we love everything about your ministry except one problem. Why do you keep posting deliverance?" And I said, "Because you don't." I was saying, <laughs> yeah, do I was like, "If you are gonna do them, I, I, I said, mark my words." The more churches start doing deliverance, you will see us will post yes, less about please. deliverance. It's so good. We'll Come on. Less about deliverance. We'll talk about other topics. But I'm like, as long as you guys don't help people and they have to fly across the United States to come to our meetings because they can't find that in your church because you demonize them instead of delivering the demonized. I'm like, we have to compensate for the lack that is happening. We're not boasting. We're not bragging. It's just the need is so great. The pain is so real. And we have to do that. The moment we see more of that, you'll see we will tone it down and we'll talk about other things. And, and think about, guys, think about this statement real quick. I just want you guys to think about this. Why do you talk so much about deliverance? That's like saying, why do you talk so much about Jesus? Why do you talk so much about mm -hmm. salvation? If you don't know what salvation means, go look it up. It means deliverance. Why do you talk so much about the cross? Like, it's just such an ignorant thing to say, but it shows where the church is at right now. I know I'm echoing on somebody's feed, but it just goes to show where the church is at. Um, I don't know who that is. Anybody know? That's like, is that, that's not me, is it? No, it's one of your guys's. Can you guys all hear that? I'm hearing myself twice. No, I don't hear it. No, maybe if you could hear me in your speaker, turn me down a tiny bit. That's so weird. It just started. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't change anything. Uh, maybe Vlad, try to turn me down a little bit if I'm on your speakers. 
Okay. Anyways, um, it's there we go that whatever that was it worked so a lot of people that are like oh this you know manifestation or deliverance i don't want to talk about that much this is the ministry okay you all heard it praise the lord we fixed it this is the ministry of jesus christ so let us remember what we're talking about when it comes to don't talk about deliverance don't talk about miracles and i would say this i've seen again been to these churches where there's fake manifestations i've never been to a church where there's false manifestations being allowed and deliverance because you got to realize Satan doesn't cast out Satan. Right. And when deliverance breaks out, you start dealing with the weird spirits or false spirits that are allowed in the church and that are driving not all, but some of these manifestations. And I want to say this, guys, a lot of times when a demon's manifesting, you don't even notice the demons manifesting, whether it's twitching in your face, whether it's starting to foam at the mouth, growling, even yelling, um, laughter. I'll t I've, I've talked to people where I prayed for them, they started growling or getting angry. And I'm like, do you realize you're growling? They're like, I didn't even realize I was growling because the demons right. don't want you to know you're manifesting. So it's not like you might say, well, how would we not know the difference? Because it's not like you're in pain when you're manifesting. A lot of times they're disguising themselves as the Bible says as angels of light. And so you right. just don't know when those things are happening. Happening. I was at one service where someone was slithering like a snake. I've told the story a bunch of times. Very popular church, mega, 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 mega church. It was like at that time, this is like eight years ago. It was like the church that everybody was going to. I mean, it was the most, it was a big church, a very popular church. And the pastor's like, look at, look at that girl. Look at the Holy Spirit, what he's doing. I'm like, bro, the only snake I know in scripture is in Genesis, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a demon, it was the devil. And then that night she ended up getting deliverance, and I showed the pastor like it was a demonic spirit. But because they were unskilled and untrained in deliverance, he would have never thought it was a demon. I, I look at a revival that happened in America that was like one of the most big, and I watched the videos of it, of all the manifestations. In my opinion, guys, I won't say the name of it, in my opinion of me watching it and knowing about deliverance, 90 plus percent were demons manifesting. We are calling it the Holy Spirit, in my opinion. Right. Again, I could right. be wrong with this or that. And then the revival ended up turning out to be a whole bunch of demonic stuff was going on and all this terrible stuff was happening during the revival. My point being was when you're in this super charismatic stream where you don't you don't do deliverance, all you do is like gold dust and laughing and manifestation. All it is is about that, that, that. You are unskilled in the area of what's a demon, what's not. Everything becomes the Holy Spirit. Like people are right. sleeping around, people are cheating on their wives, people are drinking, people are watching horror movies, and it's and all Holy Spirit. And it's all Holy Spirit and there's no demons, but you gotta look at the fruit. You gotta look at the fruit. If you're manifesting every week in holy laughter, but you're going out drinking after service, come on chat, where are you at? It's probably not the Holy Spirit, it's probably a demonic spirit. If you're falling over, cause here's the thing, God can care less about you falling over every week if you never change. If you're out watching porn and you're out sleeping around and you fall over every week and you're the guy that's always like slain, but it's like you're slain in the spirit, but then the devil's slain you every week, every week, every weekday. So you guys got to realize it's like we got to go beyond just mm. the manifestation to where the Holy Spirit, listen to me, chat, produces something. Like something is, I, I love falling over guys. I'm like, if I, if you pray for me and I fall over, praise the Lord, I'll lay out, I'll, I'll deep fry. You can put oil on me. You can put me in the deep fryer. I love it. I literally love all of it. Right. But I want to get up changed. I want to get up different. I want to go from falling out an angry husband to a joyful, kind, loving, Holy spirit filled. So we're, we're telling you guys both sides. Like it's, we, we believe in it. We know it's biblical, but there, but we need change. We need change because this is what the devil doesn't do. The devil doesn't change people. 
So if it's a demonic spirit and you're falling out and you're not changing, that's one thing. It's a Holy Spirit. He produces change. And if there's not change being produced in us, then it's likely it's not the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, there's abuses. Now, let me say this. Now, there's a video on YouTube of the Kundalini spirit. We all know about the video. It was posted a million times, especially in 2012, 13, 14, 15. Vlad, a lot of people say, oh, that slang in the spirit is Kundalini, Kundalini, however you want to pronounce it. What do we what do we say about that? Because that's a big one. That's another elephant in the room. Um, is the slain in the spirit the Kundalini spirit? That's what everyone says. They watch the video, or is this the devil just copycatting and perverting? Oh, you're muted, Vlad. Uh, can you, you hear go. me now? Yeah, I hear you now. Uh, yeah, the video where a guy showed a comparison between a Kundalini spirit and some manifestations of charismatic circles the problem is that these do not in any way form and shape shape confirm kundalini spirit the same way as in the concert people clap and in the church they clap it does not mean that the church is a concert so there are many similarities that we have in for example we use computers in our churches and people use computers in in porn porn clubs you know it does not mean that our church is now doing porn because we use computers so there are certain similarities that happen there that happen mm -hmm. here kundalini kundalini spirit Kundalini spirit is a demonic spirit with a feminine character that is worshipped and applied to yoga and other forms of mysticism. I have a guy on our team who's probably watching right now, Everett, who recorded a video on the Kundalini spirit and he was a yoga instructor. He was a licensed mm -hmm. yoga instructor. And so pretty much some of the things that he shared with me is pretty much yoga. Kundalini yoga, this is where that starts from, is a specific discipline of yoga that involves channeling a serpent energy up your spine to activate your chakra, which is the energy center of the body in Hinduism and yoga, until it reaches your crown and then you achieve enlightenment or the, what they call is Kundalini awakening. So this Kundalini energy is to be said it's the ultimate life false energy that lays at the base of your spine and so through the exercise of your will you can activate this energy and allow it to ascend to higher levels in your spine by activating this energy in your body and so people experience hallucinations visions body shakings hysterical laughing and other phenomena and they believe that this is a manifestation of this powerful energy then this yoga kundalini yoga was brought into the united states into the west in 1969 by yogi bhajan if i'm pronounce his name right and then it grown in huge popularity and it's actually a very huge part of new age movement and so what so much of what they believe is happening in charismatic circles actually have nothing to do with it. It's true that there are some manifestations, as we mentioned, that they are demonic. But to label every manifestation that happens in charismatic circles to Kundalini spirit, you must understand the biggest difference is that you can't operate in Kundalini yoga without intentionally inviting yes. this, this energy. You have to practice this yoga. So what concerns me though, is people who practice yoga, people who um, condone yoga, some even preachers, and who begin to do that, and they think there's it's completely innocent, and so um, that is the one that's serious. That is the serious problem, and so, but it has nothing to do with the manifestation of people falling. I know we had one time Andres Bisoni 
and uh, and people, uh, you know, this person they they fell, and then afterwards they experienced the presence of God. They went home and they started to, you know, having attacks and everything. And so they said, "That's it." You know, he gave me the Kundalini spirit. I said, "He didn't give you anything." I was like, "Number one is after the conference, you said you felt so good." I was like, "The reason why these attacks happen is a lot of times in meetings." Uh, where the Holy Spirit is present, certain things are exposed. Yes. And so the, the meeting didn't give you those spirits. Your ancestors who practiced witchcraft and sacrificed humans, they did. You know, your past life did that. Other things like reading Harry Potter did that. The, the meeting at the church didn't give you that. The meeting at the church exposed that yes. to make you aware that you need deliverance. And so, so Kundalini Spirit has nothing to do with that. But I do believe that we have to be warned and be cautious of some of this borderline new age practices that is being practiced by uh, especially this hyper charismatic circles from you know reading your destiny seeing prophetic as more of like a Angel almost cards. like a palm Come reading uh, yeah. destiny cards and all of these things where you throw different golf uh, this uh, fireballs you know to experience the greater measure of god obsessive focus on feathers and gold dust and all of these things and you know oil fa falling and oil being appearing in your bible these extra signs and wonders when people obsess i'm saying again obsessing with it a lot of some of these that i read and i see honestly they do seem very close and some in fact sadly look more like new age practices than actually scriptural practices and so those things we have to be warned about and i think those of you watching you're hungry for the supernatural please be hungry but be wise be educated in the area of special of new age so that you don't dabble into the new age practices trying to find new ways to connect to god so good so good yeah, the angel cards, guys, talk about this because we had people coming. I was texting you guys to our meetings doing angel cards like, oh, they have verses on them and destiny boards. And uh, guys, this is just another way, another way people are using it as a medium to try to connect with God. When you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need an angel card. You don't need a destiny board. You don't need a Christian Ouija board. You don't need this stuff. You need to get in the secret place. That's what Jesus said. He, did, he didn't say go get a destiny card or an angel card or a Harry Potter book. He said, get in the secret place and I'm going to be there with you in the secret place. And so, like Paul said, we've allowed different spirits in the church. Now, remember guys, Paul was addressing the church when he said you've allowed another spirit to come in, another gospel and another Jesus. He was not addressing the world. So this was 2,000 years ago. How, many more, how much more has a church allowed a different spirit to enter in and we don't address it. We don't talk about it. So no, listen, if you're following us, there's 5,400 of you, praise the Lord. We don't, con do, do you guys? I, I'm, I'm just speaking for all of us, I think. We don't condone angel cards, all right? You don't have, we're not over there, you know, playing go, go fish with angel cards like it's just a normal thing. We need to go to God. Why do I need to go to a cardboard card when I can go to God? These things have wormed their way in. And it, last I checked, Vlad is the signs and wonders follow us. We don't have to follow the signs and wonders. I have seen incredible signs and wonders in my life and it's all from following Christ. And the signs and wonders are a byproduct of preaching the gospel. That's why the Bible says, and with accompanying signs, the Lord validated their message. So he accompanied their message with signs and wonders to validate what they were preaching. But again, guys, we don't chase them. I'm not opening my Bible every 30 minutes looking for oil. I'm not putting, you know, a little tray out looking for feathers to fall, gold dust to fall. I'm looking for Christ. I'm looking for the Holy Spirit. I'm searching for the Lord. I'm chasing after him with every fiber in my being and the Holy Spirit 
is doing the work with me. He's my coworker. He's the one doing the work with me. I'm not making him do it. I'm not forcing him to do it. I'm looking for the signs and wonders. And do I want to see more signs and wonders? Yes. Guys, yes, I do. I pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to see signs and wonders, but I want to see the Holy Spirit move in power and wonders. I don't want to chase after these extra things because, you know, but you guys, you, I, don't, I don't want to give you guys some time here. I'm going on here. But what do you guys think about this whole trend happening with the angel cards and the Christians thinking it's okay, all this stuff going on? Well, I think the reason why this happens um, is because there's an overemphasis on the anointing. Come on. And not an uh, overemphasis or at least a balanced approach on the person of Christ. When, when we begin to just overemphasize on the anointing, the anointing, mm -hmm. the anointing, the anointing, and being open to the anointing, uh, we find ourselves deviating from the person of Christ. And when you deviate from the person of Christ, you're deviating away, de deviating away from the sec a third person of the Godhead, which is the Holy Spirit, the first person of the Godhead, which is God the Father, the scriptures, the angels. We start deviating away, and then we end up falling in love uh, with the power of God as opposed to the God of power. Mm. Our focus becomes the power mm -hmm. as opposed to the God of power. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think that's what happens. It, now, it doesn't happen... Fast. It's just a slow digression that happens through time. And then eventually the main thing is no longer the main thing. And then the secondary or the third things or the byproducts of end up becoming the main thing. And then it becomes what happened in the book of first, a uh, second Kings chapter five, I think, where the, the, the snake and the serpent that Moses built that actually brought healing by the time we got to the time of Hezekiah, oh, the people were worshiping it. And That's one of right. the first things that Hezekiah had to do when he took office of as king was he destroyed the serpent, the bronze serpent that Moses had built. Because the text says the people had started idolizing it. And not only idolizing it, they had a name for it. Now, once something is named, there's a doctrine that comes as a result of that. So this is what happens when we start straying away from scripture, straying away from the person of, of, of Christ, mm -hmm. and we start going into some more of the manifestations of Christ that within time, it ends up becoming doctrinal or manifestation idolatry. And, mm -hmm. and let, me also, let me also say this for those of you that are watching. Don't assume that these manifestations that you see, that deliverance ministers such as us four that you see here and others that are out there, that we're okay with that. Like we, no, we're not okay with such manifestations. We are anti-angel cards and the gold, well, not the gold dust to the, well, like- I like gold bricks. I want open. gold bricks, not gold dust. <laughs> well, exactly. We're open to how the Holy Spirit moving however he wants to move. But we're, we're very sensitive that when this stuff starts straying away from the mm -hmm. person, the deity of Christ, we, we walk away from it. And we, we ourselves are against that stuff. Come on. So good. Well, I want to speak to the root of it. That was so good. What, okay. After years and years of traveling overseas, being a part of so many different charismatic and Pentecostal pockets of influence around the world, what I've noticed, and this is my take on it is that the obsession is always rooted in a sense of insignificance and they are given significance yes. by that sign. That's what it is every time. So it's like, I don't find my significance in Christ. I find it in this thing that Christ gave me. So it's like, but here's the problem with that is like, if jewels appear in your hand, but then they never appear again, does that mean he loved you that day and he never loves you again? 
You know, it's like if, if a glory cloud comes during a particular song, does that mean we do that song every single Sunday for the rest of our life? And it's almost like people are seeking a significance. I notice that the type of people that are drawn towards talismans and, uh, you know, like like charms and these like trinkets and, you know, these things tend to be people that they place great significance in those things because they don't feel significant themselves. Mm. And to me, I've actually really I think this is like the father heart of God that I've encountered with people. It's like, hey, you can actually be powerful without your shofar. Uh, I know that like probably side lost some of uh, subscribers right now, but right. it's like, what would happen if you left your shofar at home? Like, what if the Holy Spirit was enough? What if you didn't need some of those things? And I know oh, I just Charles. go ahead, but, but, you know, but yeah, but here's the thing. Go in deeper, and of Papa, go deeper. I, and I just, I want to go a little bit deeper because there's a, whenever there is a reliance on it, reliance mm -hmm. produces religion. Mm -hmm. That's the way I'll say it. Reliance mm -hmm. produces religion. And I pastor in a region predominantly Catholic. So they are reliant on these memorized prayers, but those prayers are religion. I said last Sunday, if you know how to talk, you know how to pray. God wants you to yes. come before him mm -hmm. honest. And so it's like, sometimes I've seen it in the charismatic. It's just like, well, you've exchanged one religion for another. <laughs> Because all those artifacts and all those items you have, they're uh -huh. insignificant to God. I mean, and, and does that mean that God can't use them? I know there's a level of complexity to this. Obviously, we use anointing oil. We use different things. We've talked about that. But it's the reliance aspect of it. That's right. what I always resist. Uh -huh. Because now you've transferred the power to the object, is which literally is the definition of idolatry. So we don't do that. Wow. And I think that's freeing to somebody. I would challenge anybody who's like, I need these things to say, what is it in you that when you're, okay, I got to do this. I have to do this. I have, as a pastor, I have shut down so many rogue programs, whether it's angel cards or these things. But what it always comes down to is the, the individual, and I'm going really deep right now, but this is like after years of counseling these situations, the individual has placed so much of their identity and their special, unique gifting and anointing and ability with the angel cards, with the devices, with their whatever that thing is. And it's and so what I've always said is if you will allow God to heal that part of you that feels that that this thing that you figured out how to do gave you significance, you'll be able to release it. And that's a very deep thing. I think there's a lot of healing that has to take place in people because they're like, oh, well, Isaiah, he does his thing, but I have angel cards. Come you know, on. Vlad does his thing, but I have this thing. And it, it becomes this competitive, self-seeking, selfish thing. And it's just like God is not in that thing, abandon that thing and receive the true Holy Spirit. That's so good. And I think a lot of this stuff too brings, and when we talk about manifestations, brings glory to the person either manifesting or... Mm -hmm the people doing the work. And this is one thing, guys, I've wrestled with. I'm just being vulnerable with you is like mm -hmm. when it comes to, I gotta be careful because I'm reading the chat also the whole time. There's 5,400 people. I'm gonna tread lightly here. When it comes to, um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words. I'm scratching here. When it comes to ministering, I'm trying to, cause I want to do a certain thing and I want to, whether it be bring people on stage and do deliverance on stage or people get slain in the spirit and you have the, you know, pick them back up. I, again, I'm treading carefully here. When it becomes about more about the performer and the person doing their performing than the actual one who's 
doing the work, who's Come the Holy on. Spirit, when it becomes about the person doing the deliverance more than the actual deliverance, which is for me, right. I'm like even trying to, I'm again being careful because I don't want to even offend any of you guys, but shying away from being the guy, being the one posting with the videos of me and me. Vlad, one thing I love about you that you do so yeah. well is you post videos on your page of your team doing deliverance, right? So it's not just Vlad. If you go on Vlad's TikTok or any of that, it's his team, it's other members on his page. So you're highlighting other people. And that's one thing I'm like, I don't want it to be the Isaiah Saldivar show. And I've said this before at my church. I know we've all probably said that in our churches in so many words, because we all have public figure pages and social media followings. But it's like, where do we draw the line? And I think where we draw the line is, when the person gets more glory than Jesus, when the person gets more glory than the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So that's the, that's the perfect example of a fake manifestation. Any sign or wonder that doesn't glorify Jesus, that doesn't bring glory to God, that brings more glory. And I don't think it's wrong because mm. remember, Jesus was famous. The apostle Paul was famous. So it's not wrong to be famous, but what's wrong is when the light shining on you is greater than the light shining out of you. So we always have to point people to Christ, point people to Christ. It's all in some, you say, you say that so much, Isaiah, but I have to, I have to, right. because we have hundreds of thousands of people following. I didn't have to say that before, before no one even cared. I was like, I can just preach and do my thing. Now I'm like, it's all about Jesus. I have to do a 10 minute every service about don't look to me. The only thing I've ever saved is hundred dollars a month switching to Geico. I say that all the time because we have to remind people it's about Christ. It's about Christ. Remember. Mm -hmm. Jesus said in John 16, 13, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into truth and he will glorify me. Jesus uh -huh. said the Holy Spirit is not going to glorify you. For those of you that are like, again, being very careful because I want to say more stuff, but I'm not going to. When we're about us and us and the stage and us doing deliverance on stage, us praying for people on stage and they get slain, pick them back up, they get slain and hitting them with our jacket. All these things become about us. We have to be careful because remember the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is not going to glorify you. He's going to glorify me. So the two main functions of the Holy Spirit, number one, is glorifying Jesus. Any authentic manifestation of the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus and put the attention back on Jesus. And it's going to be like, look at what Jesus has done. And when human personalities start getting more praise and glory than Jesus, then you know the Holy Spirit is going to begin to withdraw from that movement and withdraw from that person. When churches begin to put replace Christ with personalities, they crumble. We know this. They crumble. We've seen over and over and over again. And this is one thing, guys, that God will not share his glory with others. Isaiah 48, 11, I will not give my glory to another. So when we start trying to take on the glory of God, and I've, I've been in hotel rooms, I'm sure you guys have as well, where I'm trembling saying, Lord, I hope I didn't take your glory tonight. Come on, guys, help me tonight. I hope I didn't take your glory tonight. I hope that I didn't get more praise in you. And I get chills when I talk about this because I really do have that fear. I really do get on my face in hotels Come and on. say, Lord, I don't want your glory. Yeah. I don't want the crowns. If I've taken any of your crowns, I throw them before you. And I literally tremble about this. I know if I could share this, um, Pagani, you sent us a voicemail one service. Um, there was lines around the building. Do you mind if I share the voicemail that you sent us? Yeah, there, yeah. there was lines around the building at one of the events he did, and he he sent us a voicemail. I don't know if you were in the green room hotel, but he sent us a voicemail. I was in the green room. He was in the green room. 
crying. He sent us a voicemail crying. He didn't post yeah. it publicly. And he said, guys, I'm unworthy. I feel unworthy crying. And I, I and we all responded back. We, we, that's where we live. We, we're all, we're there guys. We're there. And this is why we do this every month. This is why there's 5,300. I believe this is why God's blessing this is because we're legitimately Come in on. fear, have the fear of the Lord. When we were just in Chicago and there's lines block after block after block. And I'm, I'm in, I'm up there pacing going, Lord, I don't know what, what do you want me to say? Who, who am I? I'm a man. Isaiah chapter six, when I encounter the Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like yeah. why I'm 130 pounds. I'm, I'm frail. Look at my wrist guys. I'm, I'm frail, but Lord, you'd use me to preach to all these people and they're lined up. They're not here for me. They're here for you, God. So you got to do something, Lord. And this is the, this is the dialogue I have before service. If you guys see me pacing back, I'm going, Lord, you got to do something. I can't, I'm yeah. frail. I'm weak. I'm broken. I'm contrite. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't get any lower, but Lord, you got to do this. And this is where you keep that purity, where those manifestations so become good. about Christ. What? become about repentance and bring Mm -hmm. glory. So if I'm manifesting or doing ministry and becomes performance, now you guys already all know you have permission to smack me so hard in the head. But if it becomes about that, then the Holy Spirit says, oh, wait a minute. Isaiah's taking my glory. I can start withdrawing now. And then what happens is I got to make the performance more, more lights, more smoke, more, 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 more eccentric because I've lost the Holy Spirit. I've lost the power of God. Mm -hmm. And listen, I would rather lose all of my followers, all my Facebook page, all my YouTube channel, all everything. I would rather lose my family, my wife, my kids, my ministry, than lose the Holy Spirit. That's one mm-hmm. thing where you have to walk in the fear of the Lord. But let me say this, and I'll turn it over to one of you guys. When you preach a gospel that says, God will never leave you. You can't lose the anointing. The Holy Spirit doesn't matter. Grace, 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 grace. Then you have these flippant lifestyle. But when you preach the biblical gospel where you go, David says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And you walk in the fear of the Lord and you realize Samson lost the Holy Spirit and he didn't even know it. Then you start walking in biblical obedience. Now the praise goes to the Lord. So again, if the manifestation brings glory to the person or the performer, more than the Holy Spirit, then we're, we're losing it, guys. We're missing it. It's, it's false. It's false. Go ahead, Aaron, with you guys. As the Lord, you know, exalts our ministries, and, and I hate to use that word, but the scripture uses it. He that yeah. humbles themselves, God will exalt. Humility on our part has to be intentional, Come which on, means we have right. to intentionally. I opened up last Sunday's service. Um, I hadn't been there in two weeks. I was traveling in California. Uh, doing ministry and I got back and my opening statement on my pulpit because I felt it the house was packed you know and to have a packed house in New York City post pandemic or midway pandemic actually a blessing it's a blessing in in our city you know Um, because most churches are small my opening statement was I felt unworthy and I I literally looked at my congregation and said you know, I'm grateful for all that God is doing in this house, but to Jesus be all of the Come glory. On. This is not about me. If you are here to see Pagani, you missed it. You know, and I kind of went like in this discourse of just, you know, just letting the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and sometimes people after the service, they think that because this this new era of evangelicalism is, is this self-help feel good about yourself yeah. um but true fear of the lord is actually realizing what jesus said that the sinner and the publican beat his chest because he felt he was completely absolutely unworthy right mm-hmm. so um I, I literally opened up um 
saying, guys, I'm nobody here. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I literally, and I say this, and I say this sometimes, and sometimes my staff, they kind of look at me because I get real harsh with it. Because I say, the day I ever try to take God's glory, may God kill me and close this church down because it is not about me. It literally isn't about me. Um, Because I, I don't want to just be, I don't, you know, the last thing I want to do is God make me famous and then my flesh makes me infamous. Come on. Which, <laughs> Anointing that left the building, and now mm -hmm. I'm famous, but I'm famous now for taking God's glory. And sure. then I end up, or our ministries end up becoming a proverb among the people, where it ends up being like this. Don't be like Pagani. Remember when he took God's glory and God took to shut the church down? We don't want to end up becoming a proverbial statement among God's people of how God had to shut us down like many of the revivalist friends that you and I know that now mm -hmm. are irrelevant, that ministries yep. are nowhere, and it's one underlying theme there. They took God's glory somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere in the process, in the yeah. work of the Bible, yeah. God's glory. So the higher that God takes us, our humility is actually forced and intentional. We have to consistently take like 10 minutes in the middle of a sermon and include somewhere in there that it's not about us. It really is about Christ. So good. Flatter Mike, one of you guys want to say something there? I think for me it was... Um two things that I think that protects us is having people over us who can speak into our life and people mm -hmm. who walk beside us who can model things. And we don't realize sometimes is that having a team beside us, they, it could really protect us because it could influence us. They could give us blind, uh, protect our blind spots. Even, you know, having my brothers here, you know, Mike, Alexander and Isaiah, um, you know, speaking into different things um, into our life, even the, through the text message that we text almost every single day and um, and get a chance to be encouraged, iron sharpens iron. I started to intentionally do that this year of um, bringing different people on our team. So I stepped down from preaching four times a month to twice a month. And, and it's not that I don't have a word, I do. Um, and I stream still every Thursday, you know, from right here to, to the YouTube. But on Sunday morning, I really felt last year the Spirit of God was challenging me. And He said, I, I don't want you to be the belly button of Hungry Gen. I don't want you to be Hungry Gen and Vlad is the same thing. And I want you to stop saying my church because it's not your church. If you want me to build it, you have to stop calling it your church. You have a wow. wife and your wife is not Hungry Gen. Your wife is Lana. Church is my wife. Church is my bride. Wow. And so um, its problems are my problems. Its success is my success. I died for it. I bled for it. And so um, because even there was a kind of a short period of time where I also felt a little bit burdened by some of the things that were happening. And and the Holy Spirit really kind of challenged me. And he said, you know, I am about the church. I love the church. I'm building the church. But he said, the problem is that if you're married to the church, then you have to take responsibility for all its problems and you have to carry all its problems. And so as I started to step away a little bit from the spotlight and giving my team and, you know, and I'm there last Sunday, uh, I didn't speak. And, you know, both services, I'm there. I'm taking notes as my our team is speaking and, you know, shouting them down, praying with them, walking alongside with them. And when we do deliverance services, we're going to do one in about a month and a half. We will do a deliverance conference on a Halloween weekend in Portland. Come so, on. I mean, this is like, get it Come can on. get better than this. And so we're so excited. And so we have about four of us that minister. And so amazingly, 
Like I don't elevate myself among my brethren. I, I follow this principle of the kings of Israel where God says, when I appoint you as a king, he says, don't exalt yourself among your brethren. Even though, yes, there were certain responsibilities the kings have and I have certain title and I have certain authority. I know that. But in my mind and in the mind of my team, they know that they're my brothers. They know that we're doing it together. I call them the Avengers team and stuff. So we're going to avenge for the kingdom of God. We're going to set the captives free. And the other part is, is I have my uncle. I know like Isaiah, in your case, you know, you have your uncle. Yep. And, and my uncle, he's probably watching because he rewatches everything. He watches all of you guys as well. He tells Come me on. about <laughs> everything. He watches so many ministers. He watches a lot of the reformed. He watches a lot of the debates and, and brings a lot of correction to me as well. And he's like, you know, Vlad, there's no need to say stuff like that. There's no need to do it like that. He's like, you don't need to stick a title in front of your name. You, he said, we don't need to push on a lot of these uh, manifestations. He says, as more and more deliverances happen, he says, we, we don't need to capitalize it as much on it. We don't need to show it in the screen as much of it. And so like, and he really brings a lot of that correction and he's the father figure in my life. And so and because of that, I feel safer because I feel like in the spiritual world, I'm under the umbrella. And so because the moment you don't have an umbrella over you, the success is like rain. It can hit you. It's like a mm. lightning. It can strike you dead. And so, but when you have an umbrella, when you have an authority over you, and I'm not talking about some, some kind of a guy in another country that you don't know, who doesn't know you, whom you send Go 200 ahead. bucks every month. That, that's not, I'm not talking about that kind of authority. I'm talking about somebody who can actually cut you, somebody who can prune you, somebody who can call you out, somebody who is not afraid of you and who is not impressed by you yes. and who is not intimidated by your anointing and who doesn't care about none of the stuff, but who loves you personally and then having brothers and sisters having other people around you it allows us because then we can speak into each other we can even watch what god is doing in the other person's life and honestly some of us we're not stupid like when we're, we're not we're noticing you know god is moving in somebody else's life we sometimes will glean and we're like you know what i'm not gonna do like that like i was doing because you know i see how god is using alexander i'm seeing how god is using michael i'm seeing how god is using uh, isaiah and so we glean from each other we learn from each other and so and i think it's so precious to be not a lone ranger alone on the island be surrounded not to mm. walk away from that's one of the reasons why we even stopped we had a chance you know to kind of walk away from our denomination and because, you know, it's not a denomination necessarily that practices deliverance like we do and, and all of this stuff. And I felt like with their team, I'm like, no, I want to stay there. I want to be a blessing there. And maybe we can learn thing or two. If they kick us out, that's a different story. But if they're not kicking us out, we're staying there because I want to be connected. I want to stay anchored. And I want to last. If the Lord doesn't come for next, you know, 100 years or 50 years, I don't want to end up another guy on the on the list who started well, burned really well. And they, you know, got lost with women, with girls, with fame and everything. Everything. Our biggest challenge for the modern demon slayers, uh, people who cast out demons, it's not the prosperity gospel. Our challenge is the popularity gospel. Yeah, popularity gets into our heads and then we get swollen and we lose it. And so we need to be humble and we need to be surrounded and submissive to the body and as well as to each other. So good. Find wow. your group, y'all. Find your tribe. Find your Demon Slayer group wherever awesome. you're at. Get a group of people around you that would walk with you and that will help you with everything we're talking about tonight with the manifestations. Guys, do we not text each other like, what do you think about this? I, or am I being religious? Like, I was texting, I think, Vlad the other day about a certain guy on, um, on YouTube, and I'm like, I was, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know about some of his stuff and maybe I'm being uh, religious yeah. and maybe, and Vlad just like, uh, you're being, he didn't say I was being religious, but he was like, nah, it's good. Like we were just going back and forth about it. Cause I don't know. I don't want to be, I don't want, I don't ever want the Holy Spirit to be doing something. And then me being like, 
criticizing the Holy Spirit moving. So I've always told the Holy Spirit, like, look, you can do whatever you want. I don't care what. I mean, you pulled Ezekiel by the hair and put, showed him the temple. If you want to do, I don't have much hair to pull, but you can do whatever you want as long as it's you. As long as it's you. And guys, let's, we're going to give some closing remarks here because I know we're an hour and, and 40 minutes in here and you guys are three hours ahead of us. And I don't want you guys to be like, every time we're on, Isaiah has to go over two hours. But I want to say this, guys. If you're in the chat right now, it's 5,000 of you, uh, 5,300, whatever amount there is of you. If you're in the chat, I know it's getting late for a lot of people. If you're in the chat and you genuinely pray tonight and say, Lord, if it's your Holy Spirit, I'm open to it. But if it's a demonic spirit, show me the Holy Spirit is so faithful to help you discern. He's the discerner, y'all. He's the one that could discern what's holy and what's not. If you pray that tonight, if you believe and you're genuine, I really believe the Lord will not let you fall into deception. I believe God will send people around you. Now, if God sends someone to you and they rebuke you and say, bro, you're in deception and you reject them, then don't get mad that you're in deception because you got to realize God will send people. Maybe we're the ones that God sent tonight to let you know that you're in error. You're in deception. Don't resist God. If God tells you you're in deception, but I believe tonight, if we all pray and we're all, I'll pray for you guys before we end. If we pray tonight and say, Lord, we don't want to be in deception. We don't want to get arrogant. We don't want to get proud. We don't want people to worship us. We want to stay humble, contrite, broken before you and let your spirit move. God will do that. So again, guys, amazing, amazing broadcast. You guys want any closing remarks and then I'll pray us out. Well, I just want to say there's so many people in the chat I was scrolling through who are like, this is the best one ever. And I know Come you on. guys say that every single time, but this <laughs> was so rich. I, you know, for those of you who are watching, could you not feel the atmosphere completely shift when we started talking about, you know, Apostle Alexander's weeping, standing outside, watching mm -hmm. the crowds and that level of humility provokes mm -hmm. the experience with yes. God. I was think I was challenging myself to think about, you know, all of the times where I've experience the the manifest presence of God the glory of God and you know this is one commonality whenever i had been pouring out what was in my cup from other for other people mm -hmm. when i was giving when i was lifting jesus up when i was making him known unexpectedly i begin to have supernatural encounters and experiences mm -hmm unexpectedly, it was like the presence of God came in as if it was a cloud. And so it's like my goal was never to seek the manifestation. It was to seek the man, Jesus. And when you seek the man, Jesus, the manifestations are just wherever he is, you'll see manifestations. And there's just something tonight. Tonight was different for me. I'll be honest. Tonight was different. Like I felt the presence of God in such a unique way because you know what? We've got some haters. There are some demon slayer haters that are all over YouTube and whatever, but here's the thing I noticed. And this is my closing remark. Whenever they make their videos about how wrong we are, they speak with so much certainty but when you listen to us, there's a level of humility that says, I want to be undercover. So good. I, I, I want to be undercover. I want, hey, I'm checking this. Hey, if I need deliverance, I mean, we are we not in our group chat saying, hey, guys, if we need deliverance, Come will on. you will you do my deliverance? I'll do your deliverance. Like the way that we talk to each other is, hey, so or you go to your uncle, Pastor Vlad's talking. I go to my uncle. He So our conversation is about how much we get rebuked. And all the haters' conversation is about how right they are. So, <laughs> bro, I need to make a whole video on that. I'm gonna steal that whole idea. That's so good. I've already stolen so many of your videos. So <laughs> yeah, so good. You but I one, just want. But it, it's not. It's not even to say it's that so, we're right so because true. we're. But it's a heart posture 
It's, it's something that you come before the Lord and say, I'm teachable. I'm humble. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And that provokes the presence of God. The disciples were not experts, but they, the lowest common denominator is they said yes to whatever Jesus said to do. They were like, I'm going, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm teachable. I want to learn. And, and so that's been my heart posture. You know, I want to, I mean, it marked me guys, this thing that happened in central park when I saw how many people came out in a monsoon rainstorm and I wore my best sneakers, I tried to be the preachers and sneakers guy that <laughs> night. And I, you know, two TikTok influencers invited me out there and they're like, you're a local pastor in New York city, come out. And man, there was this moment where I'm casting demons out of people. And when the flash floods hit, the water went up over my shoes and covered my ankles. And I looked down at my nice shoes wow. and I started laughing and then tears came down my eyes. And I said, God, I get it. Uh, you're just not going to let me be that guy wow. because I, I'm always going to be the guy that will go out to the highways, the byways, the gutters and the alleys, because that's where Jesus found me. I was an atheist. I was a skeptic. I was an unbeliever. And he found me in my drunkenness, in my mess. And so I'm going to go find people in those places too. I left Central Park with two fistfuls of drugs and paraphernalia. And my 14-year-old daughter watched me break it on the ground so that no one else could use it. And the rain's coming down. That is one of the most precious memories I have is like my teenage daughter being like, dad had to break drugs and paraphernalia on his way out of Central Park. And, and I, so I just, for everybody listening to me, to, to me right now, I'm trying to provoke you tonight. How dare we talk about manifestations, but you not meet the Holy Spirit for mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why Pagani goes up in front of his church. Hey man, if you came to see me, you came to see the wrong person. And I believe that when, when Isaiah prays, I honestly believe God's going to do something so crazy. There's other people watching right now, just like my mom, who discovered the Holy Spirit by while reading scripture, but the scripture came alive when she invited the Holy mm. Spirit into her, into her being. And that marked my family. So my family wasn't, oh, we're Pentecostals. It was like, no, man, we're, we're some people who are messed up, jacked up, who said, if this is true, I want it. And, and, and I even saw a comment of a dude who was like, I ripped my necklace off of my chest while we were talking today because it's Jesus on the cross. And I realized he's no longer on that Come cross. On. And, he, and, and I wore this for 30 years and just ripped it off my neck because I'm free of that idolatry connected to that item. That's not my security or safety. So people are already reading, the, uh, they're already meeting the real Jesus in this, in this broadcast. So good. Wow, that was so good. That was that was. Fire. Any, you guys want any other closing remarks before I pray? Amen. How could you follow that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that you're making every single person yes. deception proof. God, that mm. you are cleansing us. You are washing us. You are renewing us. You're giving us eyes to see. You're giving us ears to hear. That, Lord, you are helping us to discern what's true and what's false. And, Father, I pray over every person right now in the chat that they would receive the power of the holy spirit they would receive the baptism of the holy spirit lord that you would yes. baptize them in fire as yes. john the baptist said i baptize in water but one is coming greater that will baptize in the holy spirit and fire and i just pray lord yes. that you would baptize you said to ask and father right now we ask you for the holy spirit if you're in the chat right now just begin to ask him 
Say, Holy yes. Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Father, I pray, fill every person that is asking. We stand in agreement with, and we pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your power. You'd fill them with your anointing. We thank you, Lord, that you're healing bodies right now. We thank you, Lord, that you are driving yes. out demons. It's by the finger of God that demons are coming out. And Father, I thank you that those that have been in error and deception have worshiped items or tarot cards or Ouija boards or angel cards yes. or destiny, whatever it is, I pray that no longer would they find their identity in a card or a board, but they would find it in your son. They would find it in you, Lord. We just pray, Holy Spirit, have your way. Release your power. Release your fire. And tonight, we just pray you would do what only you can do. And God, we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We throw all the crowns before you. It is all about you, Jesus. We don't know it all. We don't claim to know it all. But you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And so, Lord, finish the work that you've started in us, God. Let us model this for everybody watching, Lord, what it means to follow you with humility. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Touch every person watching. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome time, guys. I know we're doing this once a month until you guys decide you don't like me anymore, but I just I just really appreciate you guys being on here. Why don't you guys each just shout out your ministries, where they can find you. I know, guys, everything's linked in the description, all you watching. You keep asking, where's it? In the description on YouTube, all of our pages have links. On, on Facebook, all the names are right above you guys. Amazing. I think we broke 5,500 was our highest. Incredible what God is doing. Literally, that's, that's a, an arena right there. 5,000 is a massive auditorium. Uh, actually, the YouTube auditorium seats, I believe, 5,500. So this is incredible, guys, what God is doing. But why don't you guys shout out any events you want to shout out, anything while everyone's here that you guys want to plug? Well, you guys can follow me on all the social media platforms. Um, we're really excited about what God is doing on our YouTube page. We've been getting on a lot more frequently. So I just want to invite everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.